0: Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. All right. Very normal way to start a message It's a little Space Jam for everyone. I just want to say, if you grew up watching Space Jam, you did not bring cash or check today, and I love you for it. And if you did bring cash or check, your kids probably grew up watching this. So I think we're all somewhat in the door on Space Jam. That's from the 1996 masterpiece called Space Jam. I grew up loving this movie so much that Michael Jordan was my favorite basketball player because of it, not because he was the greatest of all time. You can take your LeBron, Michael Jordan, arguments elsewhere, but because I saw this guy playing basketball, and he was this great actor I knew from Space Jam, so I'm like, this guy is incredible. He's a dual threat. This is my guy. Um, I remember filling up my water to go play basketball in the driveway when I was a kid, and I'd take a sip, and I'd taste a little sweeter than normal this morning. I think this might be Mike's secret stuff. I might have finally gotten it, and my junior high basketball career would have played out and you would learn that I never got Michael's Secret Stuff. In fact, this is the closest I ever got. Um, If if you've seen me in a (laughs) sweatband, it is uncanny, it is uncanny. If you ever see me working out at home in a sweatband, then I am basically just Elmer Fudd at this point. Um, For those on the podcast, just Google uh, Elmer Fudd Space Jam and you'll be blessed with an image of me dunking a basketball So that's as close as I got. Um, I used that video as our setup. As believers, as Christians, we're often told on Sunday mornings to be more like Jesus, to be more Christ-like, to have love and joy in our hearts. And to be honest, we are a lot more like the Looney Tunes than Michael Jordan in this situation. We're also chicken. We... It's, it's hard for us to even wrap our heads around the idea that we could be like Jesus because of how much less we are if we kind of put Jesus in the place of Michael Jordan on this, on this situation. And so we'll unpack that later um, about why that might tie into Space Jam, but it's, it's really hard for us to think that we could be like Jesus. And so today, we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. The first half of our message is a little bit more academic. Um, I have a tendency when I want... When I get excited about something, I have a tendency of just diving all in, and I can't stop, and it's, it's just who I am. It's how God has created me to be. And you are my captive audience today to learn about the Holy Spirit with me. Um, I'm pretty hyped up on that. And our second half will be more of an application. Um, when Joel and I were talking about this series and what we wanted these different messages to be, we said one of them needs to be kind of more of a deep dive on who the Holy Spirit is in Scripture. Um, for those of us that are entirely new to the Holy Spirit, or if you're new to Christianity, or if you've been around a while and this idea of the Holy Spirit sounds really foreign to you, or it sounds like it's just for the more like charismatic or some other type of Christian, uh, this message is for you. And if you've been around for a while and you're very comfortable with the Holy Spirit, my hope is that this kind of reinforces what you believe or maybe excites you um, in a new or different way. So with that, we'll hit you with a roadmap. Um, we, I like, we're going we're gonna to go through a lot today, so I want to give you an idea of where we're at and where we're heading. I think it makes long car rides a lot easier when you know, kind of, I'm on this road for 30 miles, and then I'll get off at the next exit. Um, so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, so kind of the identity of the Holy Spirit as part of the Holy Trinity that we have. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, so setting the stage for... You know, what has the Holy Spirit been up to this whole time as we see God moving throughout the Old Testament? Was the Spirit there? The Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. So we often think of, you know, the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Did Jesus and the Holy Spirit ever really interact? How much is there? Or, or am I just going to pull something out of my hat here, kind of fill up a water bottle and call it Mike's Secret Stuff? Um, And then the Holy Spirit today, so that application side of what it means for us as believers in 2022, um, how might we interact with the Holy Spirit? So before moving forward, I'm going to pray because I need it, and I'm going to pray for all of us. Father, I thank you so much uh, for the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word that we don't just have to rely on what one man or woman thinks on a stage on Sunday, but that we have your very words and scripture to teach us. And I pray that this morning is just that, that we are just studying your, your word and that we would leave here um, inspired to be more like Jesus, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, so first we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity. So the Trinity is this concept of this three-part God that we serve, and that's kind of jumping in, into the deep end, out of the gate. Um, so we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they all work together. Um, They have separate roles, but they're all equal in deity. So um, our next point is that the Holy Spirit is equal in deity to God the Father and God the Son, but in submission to both. So they're equal, um, but God kind of orchestrates and leads things and sends the Son, um, and both God and the Son in Scripture will send out the Holy Spirit. So they're all part of this God that we serve but they have different roles, and you can think, that's pretty confusing, how does that shake out? You could think, I think the best example I've read is an orchestra where you have these different musicians playing different instruments, but together they are an orchestra, right? Like a single sousaphone or something isn't an orchestra in and of itself, but all of those pieces together form one unified orchestra, and that's much the same way when we talk about three parts of one God. Um, Next. In relation to our salvation, these are kind of quick bullet points, we'll be more linear um, soon. In relation to our salvation and how these different roles play out for us as Christians, um, we can think of God purposed it, so God planned our salvation, he kind of orchestrated it, Jesus accomplished it through his death on the cross and resurrection um, on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit is who applies it. And what does that mean? Our last point on this slide is that today, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God in the lives of believers. And we'll talk a lot more about that here soon. So I imagine your appetites are quite wet, you, you're thinking, I hope if we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, I hope we start on the first page of the Bible, and we go all the way until the end, and we're here until dinner, and someone orders pizza halfway along the way, and that's exactly, well, more or less what we're doing. We're, we're going to go to Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. The very first thing that we read in the Bible is that the Holy Spirit was present at creation. Um, it says that, the Bible says that in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. There was this darkness, there was like nothing created yet, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the Spirit is in existence at the very beginning. God didn't create the Spirit separate from himself, um, but the Spirit has kind of always been around and even took part in creation. Later, we see God create Adam and Eve, he creates animals, he go through the whole act of creation. Adam and Eve sin, and God's kind of got to come up with this other way of saving his people, this other way of relating to these people that he's created. And so we're given the nation of Israel, so to speak, this group of people that are going to be kind of God's chosen people, that God's going to, you know, bring the world back to himself. They're kind of God's representatives. And so throughout the Old Testament, the way that the Holy Spirit moves is by kind of anointing and appointing different rulers of God's people. It's kind of like God saying, this is my guy, follow him because he's been given the Holy Spirit. And so we see the Holy Spirit is on Moses and eventually 70 elders were given the Holy Spirit to lead God's people. Um, We're going to have a lot of cross references. If you're a note taker, you can just email me after. I'm tyler at threecreekschurch.org or .com. Um, I'm tyler at the domain. You can just email and I'll send you the notes. You don't have to take down all of these cross references. Um, My man, Nick in the back is a big note taker. So that's for him and anyone else who might benefit from it. Um, Second, we see the spirit anointed the judges of Israel and select kings of Israel. So after Moses leads the nation of Israel, we move into a time of judges, which weren't quite kings. It was kind of this different way of ruling and leading And we see God's spirit anointed on one specific individual at a time and him saying, like, you're the one leading, and so I'm going to put my spirit within you. It's very individual and very selective at this point. Uh, We see this go from Saul, and then when Saul kind of loses his head, it uh, gets passed on to David. And so where the spirit goes is kind of who God has chosen to lead his people. And lastly, after the time of the judges and the kings, the nation of Israel has kind of almost collapsed. It's divided in multiple kingdoms. Israel has really stopped listening to God altogether, and we have this period um, uh, known as the prophets, kind of the last chunk of the Old Testament. And here the Holy Spirit is still active. It's really the Holy Spirit that empowers these prophets to hear the voice of God and be able to relay that um, to his people. So. From the beginning of the Old Testament as the Spirit is over the waters to the end of the Old Testament, really this first, you know, two-thirds of your Bible, the Spirit is active all along the way. And that's cool, but I personally, I don't tend to get really hyped up on the Old Testament. Don't tell that to my Bible study guys. We're studying Genesis all year together, and we're doing it, man. We are in there. Uh, but I'm really, I'm kind of a New Testament guy. Um, my wife and I have watched the series called The Chosen. It's kind of like Netflix for Christians, but it's a really good cinematic uh, depiction of the Bible. I would encourage you to read it or watch it. It's called The Chosen. Uh, but anytime Jesus comes on screen, my wife, who just loves Jesus so much, she's like, that's my guy. Like, so we want to get to my guy. We want to get to Jesus. But here's the challenge. We believe because Jesus is God the Son... He was fully God and came to the earth as a man. And so when I'm told to be like Jesus, it's kind of like you're telling me to be like Michael Jordan. Like, I just wasn't born into that. He's God. How am I supposed to get anywhere near that? Something that I did not know at all, or never, I guess, thought to ask the question of, was did the Holy Spirit empower Jesus As a man. So Jesus came to the earth as fully God and fully man. And so something that's really cool that we'll unpack today is that the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' ministry because of his humanity. So it's not that Jesus was any way less than and needed the Holy Spirit because he would have been a sinner otherwise because he was fully God and perfect. But in his humanity, in the way that he took on flesh to be like us, Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit, and it becomes a much better model for us. Um, really, this whole message was, was flipped on its head when I read this quote um, in my study Bible, just kind of preparing for the message. It is often too quickly assumed that Jesus' holiness and power and ministry were because of his divine nature rather than the work of the Holy Spirit in his human life. As a result, believers may discount Jesus as their true example, right? I've I've done that my whole life. I imagine some of you have, and now there's this kind of gear turning in your head. In his holy living and powerful ministry, Jesus often drew on the same resources as are available to all believers, especially the leading and empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so to kind of of bury my big punchline for later, or to, to kind of use it, We've been given Mike's secret stuff, so to speak. This same spirit that empowered Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that we've been promised. And it's not just like we're given this Holy Spirit to kind of like help us get closer to, by leaning on the Holy Spirit, we are doing the very thing that Jesus himself did. So let's unpack the life of Jesus and see how we see the Spirit move. Uh, First, Jesus was conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a funny thing to talk about outside of Christmas. When it's December, we hear the Virgin Mary, and we're like, yeah, I'm in the world. Like, I'm about it. We've got gifts. We've got the virgin birth. We don't even think about how wild that is. How does that happen? Um, when Joseph first hears that Mary's pregnant, they had not done anything at this point that would result. I see babies in the room. They had not done anything at this point that could have resulted in Mary being pregnant, okay? We'll put it that way. Joseph is rightfully unsettled, and he trusts Mary They had a great love, and so he trusts her, but he's still unsettled. And one night as he's sleeping, an angel appears to him, and he says, don't, you, know, you don't have to worry about it. Be at peace. The conception that is within Mary is from the power of the Holy Spirit. So the very origin of Jesus coming to earth in the flesh um, is through the Holy Spirit. Second, as Jesus um, grows and begins his earthly ministry, he kind of kicks things off, things sort of kick off, the story takes off um, for Jesus at his baptism by John the Baptist. And we see a lot of the Holy Spirit at this point um, in Luke 4. We see um, the Holy Spirit descend like a dove at Jesus' baptism. So in Luke, sorry, that's in Luke 3. So when Jesus is baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit comes down almost personified as a dove. Like the Holy Spirit is there on the scene and God looks down and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Which is really cool for Holy Spirit and Trinity nerds because in this one moment, we see God the Father speaking, we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and we see God the Son in Jesus being baptized. And so we see the whole Trinity there together. Um, Immediately after his baptism, we read in Luke 4 that the Holy Spirit empowers Jesus, that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's led out into the wilderness. Um, for those of you who have, who have read Luke, you might know that he's led into the wilderness, um, where he basically fasts for 40 days, and in that really weak human state, he's tempted by the devil. He resists that temptation and his ministry kicks off. And it doesn't say he's, he's, he kicks off his ministry and because he's God, he's super empowered. But it says he, he leaves and he goes into Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit. So from the very start of Jesus' ministry, he's relying on the Holy Spirit because of his human flesh. I don't know about you. This is not something I had thought about. Maybe I'm the only person in the room, actually, and you guys are all kind of laughing at me, like, this dude didn't know that. Why? Who gave him a mic? But I suspect I'm not the only one. If there's two of us in the room, then this one's for you. Um, As Jesus then continues his ministry, we read a lot of miraculous accounts of Jesus healing the sick and casting out demons. And we read that even this is because of the power of the Holy Spirit, or at least in part, empowered by the Holy Spirit. At one point, the Pharisees, these kind of religious leaders at the time, question Jesus. And they say, oh, we think you're doing this, you know, in the power of the devil. And he's like, well, if it came from the devil, then the devil's working against himself. But if it's through the power of God that I do this, if it's through the Holy Spirit that I do this, then you're in trouble. And so Jesus himself points to the working of the Holy Spirit. This isn't just something that we've kind of cooked up, um, you know, 2,000 years later to try to make sense of it. Um, We also see Peter in a sermon in Acts talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' powerful ministry. And lastly, um, so we saw that at the beginning from Jesus' conception, the beginning of his ministry, throughout his ministry, even to his death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit was at work. Um, In it, Hebrews 9.14, we read that Jesus offered himself as the perfect sacrifice through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a bit of a mystery, you know, what reliance was there or how much of it was God the Son, um, you know, willingly giving himself up. But we also read that the Spirit was involved in resurrecting Christ from the dead. So literally from his conception to his resurrection, we see the Holy Spirit's work in Christ. Now, that's good, but again, we're still kind of up against this. Well, again, that was God though. I see you've, maybe you're convinced now that the Holy Spirit worked mightily um, throughout the Old Testament and then especially in the life of Jesus, but we still have Jesus as God. What does that mean for his followers? And really, that's what our series is about. So now what? What happens after Jesus has resurrected and then ascended? Well, before he left, Jesus promised the Spirit to his followers, and we talked about that last week. Um, before he ascended and a few different times before his death and resurrection, Jesus kind of hinted that he would be leaving his followers and that that was okay. And in fact, they were even better off that he would leave them because he would send this helper or this advocate. And if he didn't go to be with the Father, he wouldn't be able to send this advocate. And that advocate or helper or counselor is the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus promises his followers, I'm going to leave, but you're going to be better off because you'll have the Spirit within you. After his resurrection, um, we see Jesus breathe on his disciples and say, receive the Holy Spirit. That's pretty direct. Um, That is directly to Jesus, and we still feel a little detached from that because I haven't had Jesus tell me that, and so what are we to make of this? Um, That was to a very small group of his disciples, um, but after this, after Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, or just before, he says, wait here, stay in town, you'll see. And so they're waiting in this upper room and we're told in Acts that the Holy Spirit comes down in what we now call Pentecost. And so the Holy Spirit comes down and fills this room. It descends on them like tongues of fire, like, a, like the room is filled with fire or smoke or maybe they had a haze machine. But the Spirit is filling the room and they go out and begin speaking in tongues. And they, can, they are speaking to people that spoke different languages from different regions. And it's a wild scene. And it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus promises his spirit to his believers and we see at the Pentecost that that is exactly what happens. But again, you could think, okay, but I wasn't there at Pentecost. What does this mean for me in 2022? I'm assuming you're all very skeptical. Maybe you've been on board this whole time and no one's doubting it, but I have a few friends in this room that are skeptics, and I love talking to them about this stuff because we're just going to soak this thing in Scripture so that I'm not just trying to convince you. But how does that apply for me today if I'm wondering who Jesus is or if I've started to follow Jesus, but all this stuff from Scripture happened at least 2,000 years ago, right? What does it mean for us in 2022? We have great news for you. We are given the Holy Spirit when we first believe. So maybe you've heard as a believer that you've been given the Holy Spirit. And for me, I kind of think, like, well, I don't feel filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Is it like this, like, is this this place I have to go and like receive more of it and kind of fill up? Or is it only when I've been very, very good? Like that kind of makes sense in my head. If I've like lived this really good life that now I have like this, this bonus anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's not at all what happens as so much of the gospel, um, portrays it's, it's not up to us. It's not up to our own actions. It's not up to our own deeds or ability to live perfect lives. This is a free gift from God. So we'll read in Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation when you believed. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians and says, When you heard the gospel and believed it, you were marked with a seal of the Holy Spirit. Theologians talk about this seal as kind of being like a name tag or a badge that means you are God's, you are with him. Um, elsewhere in scripture, we read that people who don't believe in Jesus, and if that's you in this room and none of this makes sense, the Bible says that that even makes sense. It says that they won't know the spirit because they don't have it yet. Um, but what theologians talk about this seal, it's, it's like a wax seal on an envelope, that your salvation, your status as a believer is sealed and so that there's nothing that you can do in your life after you've believed that would give up that salvation. It's a seal that is on you. And it's kind of like a name tag. When God looks at you, he says, "Yeah, that's my that's my person because they have the Holy Spirit within them." And that's that's cool for the sake of salvation. But then, then I wonder, you see how my mind works. I ask just question after question. I have like a thousand tabs open in Chrome at all times because, okay, that resonates good, because I ask questions, then I never get to reading this one. But when I teach, then I have to read all those tabs. Um, but what does that mean for us? Is it just the seal? Is it only, not only salvation, but is it just for this future status that we can have life? Romans eight eleven says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you... He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So the spirit acts as a seal for believers and the spirit gives life to believers. It is so common for us to leave a message, at least for me, to leave a message with like a checklist of things that I need to work on. And I don't want you to leave here thinking, okay, I need to go get more of the Holy Spirit now or I need to be more like Jesus because he had the Spirit. The beauty of this is that we've been given Jesus' secret stuff. Like the same way that Jesus and his humanity relied on the Spirit is how we are called to rely on the Spirit. And so when you leave here, it's not that you should look more like Jesus in your ability to will yourself to be more patient or kind or loving, but that you should be more like Jesus in your willingness to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? In Galatians 5, we read, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I couldn't find a translation that just gave me patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is beautiful about that is that that is the fruit of the Spirit. That is not the result of your works or your acts. It is the result of you leaning into and being submitting your life to the work of the Holy Spirit. Just before this, in, uh, in, in Galatians, Paul says, he talks about the acts of the flesh, the things that we are doing. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is not produced by an apple tree waking up and thinking, I have to try really hard to make apples. Fruit is produced by the natural outflowing of what an apple tree is. That's not my idea. I stole that from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But the, the nature of fruit, it is, it's the natural outpouring. And so when you leave here today, I'll leave you with Galatians 5.25 as far as what we unpack in Scripture. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so if you were changed by the Holy Spirit, if you have received the gospel, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he was resurrected, defeated death, and that you've been given eternal life because of that, I used to think that the people that leaned into the Holy Spirit or even talked about the Holy Spirit were the crazy ones. Like there's this like minority of Christians that like speak in tongues or something or will say, you know, I have a prophecy for you from God. If we've been given the same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead and we see the spirit this much in scripture, I think we'd be crazy not to let that change us. I think we'd be crazy not to tap into that. So how do we tap into it? I'm going to encourage you this morning to first slow down. If you're like me, even in your quiet time, you are so busy and so hurried with your checklist that you just read the whole time you're in the Bible or you just wake up and start working. We need to slow down because we can't hear how the Spirit wants to speak to us unless, we're, unless we stop and listen. If you are totally new to Christianity, talk to other people about this, what a nudge from the Holy Spirit might look like. I encourage all of you to read Scripture. I know I said I wouldn't leave you with a checklist of things to do, but it's kind of how it has to shake out. Slow down, read the Bible. It would be impossible to discern if something is from the Holy Spirit or not. If we don't know God's character, if we don't know what is godly, it's going to be really, really hard to know if that was from the Spirit or not. And third, pray. The only way that all of this shakes out in our lives is if we fully submit our lives to the Spirit. And so what I want to leave you with is to really look like Jesus, we need to submit our lives to the, to the Spirit. It's like we've been given Jesus's secret stuff and I just want to be Bugs Bunny passing the water bottle and we all leave here with great deltoids and we are fired up to do that. So the prayer team is going to be in the back. This is like my soapbox for us this, this morning. Go use them. Go have someone pray over you. This isn't just a team that's there when you are down and out, and certainly it is. If you are in need of prayer for healing or terrible life circumstances or a diagnosis or an addiction, we are certainly there to pray for you. But if a message moves you, if the Spirit is stirring in your heart and you want to seal that and you want to have it so that you don't just walk out these doors and forget about it, Go back and have someone pray over you and pray with them about how God is speaking to you and that you can lean more and more into the Holy Spirit. So I'll leave you with that. Um, I'll pray and we will worship. Thanks for being here, Austin. Lord, I thank you so much for your spirit. I thank you again for your word. I pray that anything that was spoken today, um, that your spirit would seal it in our hearts. That I imagine there's different points that stick out to different people. I pray that that would be true and I pray that you would let us Stick with, um, with what you are speaking to us, and forget the, the words that were for other people, Lord. I thank you so much for your spirit. I thank you that you've been given, that you've given that to the people that believe you, and I pray for people that don't know you yet, Lord, that something would move in their hearts, that the Spirit would bring that knowledge to them, Lord, and that belief. In your Son's name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.